The Jerry DePoto Show. Presented by Seattle Pump and Equipment on Seattle Sports Station. Hi, Jerry. What's happening, Mike? Oh, not much, man. This is uh, We're just having fun. Great weather. Watching baseball. What could be better than this? How, um, how would you describe your baseball team right now? Uh, energized. I would say deep, uh, deeper than it's been, at least in, in my time in Seattle. I would say inspired and together. Uh, just few things that come to mind. I like uh, the depth has certainly shown up, and, and we talked about it uh, a little bit earlier because Scott mentioned how important it was being able to give Ty France a day off or move Adam Frazier up to the to the top of the lineup. When you when you build a team for depth, what is the strategy that goes into that? You know, to, part of what you're trying to to do is create as much versatility as you can. And you know, I, I've been talking about this since 2016, and it, it took us years to to find those players to to give them that major league experience and and cultivate the kind of you know versatility that we have on our roster. It's been so important. To, to watch the growth of guys like Sam Haggerty and Dylan Moore, to pick up a guy like Adam Frazier. It just gives you so many, you know, so, so it, it creates so much function with your roster. And, and they're really hard positions to play. I, I don't think the casual observer really understands the, the complexity of having to show up every day and, and be prepared to play so many different positions or not play at all. It, it takes a really resilient player or person. Why is that? You know, think about having to do, if you had six different jobs, you know, standing at third base, you're seeing the ball come off the the bat and a completely different angle and completely different speed than you would say at first base if the hitter is right-handed and then vice versa uh, for the first baseman. Similarly in right and left field, it's, it's really complex getting those reads off the bat, making that first break and you know and then having the the wherewithal to know that each day you have to show up and you may have to have five different clubs prepared to go because you don't know what you're going to be doing on a given day and and uh you know i've always found those players to be incredibly valuable over time and and if you look back at championship teams teams you enjoyed watching you know in our lifetime the 70s and the 80s and the 90s they all had those types of players and, and uh, they're really, really tough to find. And when you have them, it's a, you have to find a way to get the most out of them, which who, I know Scott is doing right now. Who was your favorite utility player? My favorite utility player of all time. I'm going to say, I'm going to say it was Jose. Okendo. I figured I knew that was coming. I knew that was going to be the case. It had to be right. Yeah. The secret weapon, you know, he's uh, he did everything and he did it for a long, long time. And it was under the radar better hitter than you think, found his way on base all the time, could play any position on the field, and wound up working his way into good teams. And and I and hopefully that's the, the start of, of what we're seeing now for some of our guys. I was glad you said that. Steve Lyons, I guess, was the other one, right? Didn't he play all nine positions in one game? He did, and there were a few like that. You know, I think Cesar Tovar did that uh, back in the day with the Twins in the early 70s. And, <laughs> and uh, you know, former former teammate of ours here in Seattle, uh, Tim Bogart, who was once our bench coach, uh, did that on two occasions as a minor leaguer, and I believe did it in the big leagues as well. Uh, you know, versatile players, they just they, they make the team go. It's awesome. What, um, what makes, Scott said this a while ago, and then Brock brought it up when I was talking to him yesterday, so I wanted to ask you about it. He, he mentioned how Scott had said his goal was to have a team that was hard to play against. 
What do you think makes this year's team difficult to play against? I think when Scott says that, and I know we talk about it all the time, you know, being hard to play against, it's hard to lose if you never give up is, is the easiest way I can put it. There, there is no give up in this team. And, you know, we, we're tough to beat because of that. It's, it's tough to beat a team that every player who walks up there is, you know, right now is giving you a competitive grinding at that. We take the, the balls, we swing at the strikes, we force the pitcher to beat us. We don't make mistakes and beat ourselves on defense. The, like Those are the, the types of things that, that teams that are difficult to play against embody, and I think that's what this team does and, and has been doing for quite some time now. Yeah, that last part about not beating yourselves, not making mistakes, is there an art to not losing baseball games? I don't know if it's an art as much as it is a science, frankly. You know, it's just something it's something that Scott and our staff work so hard to create and and it starts with us, even in the off season prep, the the amount of work that this staff puts into developing a plan for the spring training work days to to really drive home the, the drills and routines for these guys. And the, and the same thing is true of Andy McKay and Lou Boyd and the folks in, in our player development system. When our players come here, they know the expectation and they've been practicing, practicing it since they put on a Mariners uniform. Well, and it, and it sure seems to show up. I mean, I, I heard somebody say the other day after after the, the win over the Angels where they kind of threw the ball around late, oh, it was a lucky win. And I thought to myself, I don't know, I, I can come up with any number of games the Mariners have played over the last couple of years where things like that have happened, walk off, you know, wild pitches and crazy plays, et cetera. And I, at some point, that's not a that's not a fluke. That's not luck. It's not an accident. It seems like there must be something about this Mariner team where they don't make those same mistakes themselves, and eventually they wait for somebody else to do that. Is that part of the, I don't want to say the plan, but is that part of the design? I, I, to me, that's part of competition, and it's part of understanding how to win. And I, you know, I'll equate it to tennis or ping pong. You know, if, you, if you are, whoever you're playing, if, if your opponent is constantly trying to smash the, the, the return, you're going to beat them fairly handily. If what they do is continually return and put the ball on the line, they're hard to beat. And you know, it's a, you're, you're, you're constantly pressuring your opponent to respond. And, you know, our group is, is in tune with that response. They practice it. They know that that's who we are. And, and they take great pride in it. You know, I've never been around a team that takes greater pride in the way it plays defense and, and does the little things than this group. Talking to Jerry DePoto, uh, as we do every week, I have a confession to make. As I, I know we've spent a lot of time this year talking about Julio, and the whole city is falling in love with him. I, I think I might be falling in love a little bit with Luis Castillo. I, I really, really have enjoyed watching him pitch in these first few games. And I, and I know you talked about how great he was, and I know we've heard about it from everybody, but I feel like you guys all kind of undersold it. He might be better than you told me he was. I, he's really good, and the you know the thing with Luis is that he was he was kind of hidden away, and surprisingly, he spent a couple of years playing for a playoff team or a playoff quality team in Cincinnati, but he's largely flown under the radar. Guy who's played in a couple of All Star games and, and had the kind of success he's had, and. You know, I, I mentioned when we acquired him that we thought we were acquiring him at the right time. You know, he's he is right now at the at the 
pinnacle of of what he does his command the, the pitch quality the consistency and and the size of his menu you know the, the pitch menu has grown and he's he's added a four seamer he's he is throwing his slider more frequently into better locations and you know we are we're seeing the the best version of Luis Castillo and there's no reason why that this can't continue moving forward he's He's super talented. He's a great guy. And I think he's just realizing how good he is and can be. Is it is it fair? I, I threw a Pedro comp on him the other day, and, and I'm not saying he's at Pedro's level, but when I see the, the, the repertoire he has and sort of the run on some of the pitches, he, he do, do you see a little Pedro in him? Yeah, you can pick out a number of guys. I know Scott has mentioned Kevin Brown, Pedro mm. Martinez, and I think the – the common, I guess the common trait there is when you see a, a pitcher who's able to create that kind of, you know, kind of that, that kind of horizontal movement uh, on a, on a ball with multiple pitches and like Pedro, the ability, you know, for a right-hander to back up a changeup the, the way Luis does from a lower angle, it just makes it an incredibly hard pitch to pick up. And, you know, changeups always been the, the, the calling card, but when you're throwing in the upper 90s and you have that kind of side-to-side movement and, and then you can rip off a changeup with no change in arm speed and just kill the velocity and create that same type of lateral and even kind of vertical drop to the pitch, you know, it, it, that sequence, that fastball changeup sequence, really that what is what would remind me of Pedro. And, yeah. and he nails it. He's, he's doing it right now. Well, and with sort of the same kind of, it's not quite a funky arm angle, but it's certainly not over the top, right? And it's sort of almost like a, somebody described it to me as a loose delivery. I don't know. It just, I really just, I find him incredibly enjoyable. And then you kind of add in a little bit of swagger on the mound, a little bit of a smile. He He's an ace pitcher, and that's got to be a really comforting thing for you to have right now. You know, the, the resolve that he showed, particularly, you know, after we picked him up in Yankee Stadium, uh, pitching against, you know, what was then the, the best team record-wise in our league and for the second time in, in about 10 days, 15 days, uh, it was fairly impressive. And, and to be able to go do that on your first day on your new job and, and have all eyes trained on you and realize that there are big expectations, you know, there, and that is from the fans. It's from the manager. It's from the front office. It's from your teammates. And to go out and deliver, that's what the big boys do. And, yeah. and he delivered and, and continues to. Hey, Jerry, what did you see from Logan Gilbert this week? We talked a little bit about how he'd, he'd had a couple of real tough matchups in a row with the Yankees and Astros. What did you see from him in this latest start? You know, I think we're seeing with Logan, and we saw this last year in August, to be frank. You know, he, he got to that lull. And, and I think Logan's just trying to find his balance. He's, he's all in all, he's having a fantastic season. And, you know, last year he got off to, to a slowish start and then he found his groove and then he slumped a bit in August. And then we saw him really turn on the jets in September. And, and I think that rhythm is he's trying to find how to balance his workload, you know, the actual innings he's throwing on the mound with his, you know, his practice load, what he's doing to prepare and uh, you know, I, I, I've mentioned this before about Logan. He's incredibly thoughtful. No one puts more into preparing uh, than Logan does among pitchers. He's, you know, his his attentiveness to anything from the opponent he's facing to the way his body is moving to the you know to his conditioning and 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 preparedness to get out on the mound. He does it as as 
as diligently and thoroughly as anyone I've ever been around. And, and that's taxing. And, and I think what we're seeing is, is that as you get into the dog days, it takes a little time to get your second win. And, and I'm certain that we'll see it here just like we did toward the tail end of last year. Well, and you guys have a few off days coming up, right? Not just today. There's a few off days. You have more than, than most of your competitors right now left. I mean, is, is that an advantage for some of these guys in the rotation right now? I think it is. And it's part of the reason why we opted not to go with six starters, you know, because there were so many off days baked in there. We, the, the rest, the, the recovery time for these pitchers is incredibly important. But we didn't want to minimize the value of, of what, you know, what Luis, what Robbie, what Logan, what George, you know, Marco, just getting back out there time and again and not having to wait a week until it circles back around keeps them in their good groove. And, uh, but these off days do give them a chance to, to get that extra day of rest. And, and there's virtually one a week for the rest of the year, which, which is nice for them, hmm. particularly the pitchers. Hey, what have you seen from Mitch since he's returned? Uh, probably as, as good a version of Mitch as we've ever seen. Uh, you know, I thought 2018 Mitch, last year's Mitch, there, there we, we saw stretches of it in, in 2017 when he first joined the Mariners where he was clicking on all his tools. And, you know, I'll say what he's doing right now is on par with anything he's ever done uh, as a Mariner and fascinating in, in how Mitch, how focused he is. And, you know, what I said about Logan, I could equally repeat about Mitch among hitters, you know, his, his level of, of preparedness to play is, is off the charts good. And, and I think that has been a benefit to this team is, is now that he is healthy and back and doing the things that Mitch does on and off the field. He's, he is what I would call a great example player that, you know, you go watch the way Mitch prepares and it's a, it's a textbook for how you should go about your job. And, um, you know, for, for him to, to be back producing the way he is, is exciting for us. And really, it's what allowed our lineup to get deep again. Um, we're now, instead of, you know, being forced to hit in the middle of the lineup, JP is actually able to, to hit closer to the bottom where he, it's, he's a real asset. The, you know, being able to, to, you know, allow Cal Raleigh to hit in that 7-8 hole because the lineup is deep enough to be able to put a 20 homer hitter down there. That's like, that's a rarity and it really in, in Mariners baseball history, but certainly, you know, in, in the game today to have that kind of versatility power and on base up and down the lineup. And, and Mitch was the, the kingpin and making sure we could get back to that. Did you like uh, Julio hitting second yesterday with Frazier leading off? Is that something we could see more of? You know, I, did, I I think it more it was just a juggle with Ty having the day off, and you know, in today's game, and it's been this way for a while. Uh, you know, you, you tend to it used to be that your your best pure hitter hit third, and you know now I think over the years your best fastball hitter gravitates toward the two hole, and you know, and watching Julio hit first is is just as interesting as hit second. The biggest thing for me is just making sure that in those top three spots, you want to have your three best hitters because in general, those are the guys that are going to get the extra bats every night. And you want to make sure that if the lineup spins around a fifth time, they're the ones that are hitting. And, and it's a, it, that is the benefit. And perhaps hitting second with Frey's going as good as he's been going for the last five or six weeks, you know, that allows Julio to come up with some more runners on base uh, because with with JP and Hags down at the bottom of the lineup and and Frage at the top, it's pretty interesting if if he's able to clean some of that up. 
You mentioned the, the, the night off for, for the day off, rather, for Ty France yesterday. How is he doing health-wise? How do you think his wrist is? Uh, you know, it's, Ty, Ty's a tough guy. And he is, uh, you know, obviously there was, he, he had an injury and it was a significant issue uh, that he experienced in Oakland. And, you know, he's gone through every checkpoint in, in his recovery. Uh, doesn't seem to have any pain. He has not been on, on medical reports. He's just getting his normal treatment and he shows up and Ty is the consummate grinder. But, you know, he's been in a slump and, you know, we, Ty is such a good hitter that we rarely have seen him go through any type of extended slump. And, and I don't suspect it'll last forever. Uh, the biggest thing for me with Ty is, is I can't really say much to his health because I'm sure it bothers him more than he lets on. Mm. Uh, he's just that kind of guy and, and goes out there and plays through it, which is part of being, you know, a grinder team player. But, you know, what he's doing right now is, is, is just not swinging at the same good pitches that he typically swings at. We're seeing him chase a lot more and, you know, and oftentimes just chasing that hit. And when he gets back to, you know, tightening up his strike zone and, and swinging at the strikes, he'll turn back into, you know, the, the hitter that he's always been in his life, really. Hey, Jerry, what's going on with Kyle Lewis? Uh, I notice he hasn't played since uh, being sent back down to Tacoma. What's going on with him? Uh, Kyle's down. You know, he's he's on the roster in Tacoma. We're hopeful that he's going to DH tomorrow night. And you know, we're just we're we're very methodical in the movements that we make with Kyle and and making sure that he feels good when he goes out on the field. And you know, it's a the the best we can do is just provide him with as much. Uh, care as we can and you know, it was a it was a tough blow for him going back to to the minor leagues i don't think that he saw that uh, as a as a likely outcome for the way his career was trending but you know, we, we needed to to focus on what this team was doing and right now we we feel like the best 26 players we can put on the field are out there right now and and uh, kyle needs to go out and hit he needs to get his reps and and hopefully like i said that starts tomorrow night how uh, how do those conversations go? Those Scott conversations. Who who? How, what is the mechanics of how that works? You know, it varies. But in this particular case, it was a Scott conversation. You know, unless there is there are some unique circumstances or uh, some type of technical, um, I guess something mechanical that needs to be done, some type of waiver move, et cetera. Like, for instance, there was with Luis Torrens. You know, with LT, I'll sit down with Scott and, and Luis and explain to him how the moving parts work. Mm-hmm. We've gotten in the habit through the years of when we are making a simple option to AAA because I'm not always with the team on the road. And uh, and you don't want things to be you know, different. Uh, so in this particular case, like with, you know, Luke, with, with Abraham Toro, with Jared Kelnick, with with Kyle Lewis, that's simply a Scott conversation. And, you know, that, that player will also visit with their specialty coaches. So if if it's a hitter or pitcher, they'll visit with Jared DeHart or Pete Woodworth and sit down and go through you know, what the, the expectation is and hope to develop when they go back to AAA. So it's more of a coach-manager thing, and I get involved when there's a special message to be delivered. And, and in this case, just so I understand, is is Kyle healthy? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Kyle's healthy, and obviously, you know, we're he's had a, a career's worth of adversity to to battle and overcome, and you know, he's going down, and we're gonna we're gonna try to get his bat right and see if we can get him back here to help us win. Hmm. 
else, elsewhere on the farm, I saw Evan White had a had a really good week. So I wanted to ask you about him and also about Matthew Boyd, who is back pitching as well. Let's start with Evan White. Uh, I, I mean, I feel like it's been so long since he's really come up as a as a conversation for us. I'm sure you guys have been pretty focused on him and and what he can do. How has he looked so far? Yeah, I'm thrilled to see him back out on the field. It, it's been so long for him, and it's a, he has had, uh, a, like Kalu, he has had a very uh, difficult surgery and, and rehab process to overcome. And and uh, in Evan's case, there were a couple of setbacks and even, you know, an alternative problem or, or a, a, a side problem that came up uh, in addition to uh, his, his hernia surgery. So, it's, it's been a real, uh, I guess, grind for him, and he looks great physically. He always does. He's he's moving around a lot more confidently than he did before. His bat's just as fast as it ever was, and you know now it's just a matter of getting him out there and experiencing those reps and, and seeing where it goes. But you know that that's going to take some time. He's you know it's been over a year since Evan played meaningful baseball, and and uh, we're just going to take it day by day with no expectation of time. And uh, how about and Matthew, yeah, Boyd, Matthew Boyd? Yeah, he's been he's been great. Feels great. He's had two outings, really crisp and and efficient. He's he's operating in the low nineties. We've seen him up to ninety four, ninety five, and it's a he's he's building himself up to pitch in that kind of two inning. You know, you'd go out there and get somewhere between three and six outs type of role. And he's excited for it. Uh, I, I, like we talked uh, after acquiring him. I don't know if we have a more enthusiastic Mariner than, than Matt Boyd and, and uh, really happy for him that his, that his rehab is, is trending in the right direction and, and his return to play seems imminent. And, and we're hopeful that we're able to add him here in the next uh, two weeks. It was cool how you acquired a couple of local guys, obviously Jake Lamb as well. I, I mean, does that go into your thinking at all or was that just a complete coincidence? Uh, you know, with with both guys, we're so familiar with them because they were local, and uh, it, we've known for many years that that you know Matt and Jake both had interest in playing for the Mariners, and and it just so happened in this particular case that we thought both were you know, good fits for our roster as we you know continue to try to build that depth, do what we do, and you know having Jake as uh, our bench right now, depending on who started that game, is is. is as good as it's ever been. And, um, you know, Jake is a part of that. He gives you a great at bat against a right-handed pitcher. He's got real pop and he can get on base uh, and versatile enough to play any of the four corners. And, and I would say that Matt going into your bullpen is that kind of versatile pitcher. You have a starting pitcher's feel with a starting pitcher's strikes who goes out and can pitch multi innings in a bullpen. And, you know, that's a huge advantage to a manager, especially when that pitcher's left-handed. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and that's the hope. And as we head into September is that Matt can fill that void. Well, Jerry, enjoy the off day today. Uh, I got to say, I don't like these off days because I really just like watching this team play every single day. They've just been so much fun to watch over these course of these last couple of months. So uh, thank you. It's always great to have you uh, every Thursday. We appreciate it. We'll talk next week. All right, Mike. Sounds good.